Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys, Episode 6. This is our look at the upcoming Week 6 games across the NFL, and this episode is the cat's ass. But first, with me as always, from Always Wise Guys Central, is Andy the Prognosticator Attridge. Gemutlicate, Matty. It's mid-October, and many places around the world are celebrating their German heritage by going to Oktoberfest events and eating bratwurst, drinking beer, and simply enjoying the Bavarian music and culture. My favorite is a nice piece of pumpkin pie with the whipped cream delivered from the can directly into the mouth. It's kind of like a whippet, but you only get the whipped cream. We had a rather mediocre week last uh, last week, going six and seven against the spread, or five hundred if you include Woody's pick. Now, at that mark, that's their worst week of the season. Which, if you consider all things, that's not doing too badly. Infinite is down in the ladies' room. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, you kill me! You really do. It was weird. It just felt like some wins were better than others. We were on the right side of Jacksonville and Miami, but totally miscalculated on the Browns, the Niners, and the Giants. And I'm glad those games are behind us. I kind of thought that those teams would turn their programs around, but I'm going to have to think twice before I trust any of those guys again. Well, you know, the hypnotized never lie. And I'm not lying about the fact that last week there was 10 games on the docket that had closing lines of three points or less. The lines were tight. They were tight. And compare that with this week where there's five games of nine or more points. But anyway, thanks to the commission who suggested taking 49ers Brian Hoyer, who ended up with just over 27 fantasy points in standard scoring leagues. And congratulations to two states this week, and they would be Iowa State and Michigan State, who posted unlikely wins as big underdogs. Who will be the David and Goliath story this weekend? Please hang up and try again. Let's get to news of the week, shall we? Miami Dolphins on Monday accepted the resignation of offensive line coach Chris Forrester after an undated video of the coach consuming a white powdery substance and claiming he was taking it just before a meeting which surfaced online this past Sunday. And what was disturbing on the video was the audio. Dude saying to his chick, I know you're keeping the baby so we can't do this for a while, but I wish I was doing this off your pussy. Like, Jesus, man, your lady's pregnant. And you're sending her a video of you crushing lines at work. Like school on Sunday, bud. No class. Here's the suggestion, though. 
Save the lines for the titty bar after work with the boys and work on the actual offensive line during the day because the unit you're responsible for looks like five pylons set up for training camp. By the way, Andy, I'm astonished that someone making 2.5 mil a year could actually get his hands on some blow in the city of Miami. I'm blown away as well. (laughs) Also, big hats off to the Golden Knights of Las Vegas in the NHL. They've won their first three games and a very impressive start for an expansion team that a lot of people held skepticism for. Mr. Bill Foley, what would you say to the dissenters? The night you say me. The same. Who are we? We are the keepers of the sacred words. Me. Well, here's how weird last week was. Picture this. You are traveling through another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. Picture a world where the New York Jets have won three games in a row. A coach from the Miami Dolphins gets caught using illicit substances. A world where the Giants lose their two top receiving options before even posting the first win of the season. A sitting vice president leaving a game before it even started to protest people protesting. A Super Bowl MVP and future Hall of Famer throwing five interceptions, including two pick sixes. And the Jets winning three games in a row. A journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. The signpost up ahead, your next stop, the NFL. Well, that is a little scary. And also scary are some rumors that with all the injuries to key wide receivers this past week, that it is possible we may see guys like Terrell Owens, Chad Johnson, a.k.a. Ocho Cinco, in some lineup soon. Just for the record and by the numbers, 43 and 39 years old respectively. You got to wonder, is this the 2017 season of the National Football League, or is it 20th Century Fox looking to film a second sequel to the movie Cocoon, featuring an invigorated Wilford Brimley, all hepped up on insulin he scored from Liberty Medical? Actually, about I uh, diabetes and uh, 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 you know, uh, diabetes. All right, time to fire it up. All right, here are weekly picks. Let's start on Thursday night. Uh, My dog Woody had already made a selection between the Eagles and the Panthers, taking the team from the city of brotherly love with the points. Of course, winning. This beagle is on fire. Maddie, an FYI, Vlad Putin received a puppy this week from the president of Turkmenistan. Apparently, Putin has also consulted with his dog before major decisions. As far as bad moods go... Of course, I have them like any other person, but in those cases, I consult with my dog, Connie. She give me good advice. 
Our next game has the Rams of Los Angeles visiting the Jaguars of Jacksonville. Jacksonville beat two and a half point favorites with a total of 42 and a half. You have one team with an unlikely road win and the other with a heartbreaking home loss to a division rival nonetheless last week. Sometimes you feel that you have a really good read on most of the teams by this point in the season, but not these two. Jacksonville is coming off one of their biggest franchise wins ever, and the Rams lost a close one that they really should have won against the Seahawks. This is a perfect spot to fade Jacksonville and count on the Rams to bounce back. And for you fantasy guys out there, I do think Leonard Fournette will have another big day on the ground. Right here, you see he gets penetration right there. I'm taking the points with the Rams. Yeah, and speaking of penetration, just how much pussy is Jared Goff getting? I'm putting the over-under at 10.5 for the week. This kid is tearing it up in L.A. and no doubt bagging more panties than a clerk at Victoria's Secrets. I run, if you will, so now I'm afraid I have something of a mess on my hands. How about Cleveland at Houston? Minus 9.5, Houston favored at home with a 47 even over-under. Andy, what say you, buddy? Well, Kevin Hogan's going to start as the pivot for the Browns, and that's because Deshaun Kaiser did not produce a pass rating so far this year below 50. Maddie and I are both big fans of the Fighting Irish, and I don't think either of us were going to confuse this kid with a Joe Montana or a Joe Theismann. And I'm not saying that he didn't have great numbers in South Bend, but he only started 23 games there. Hugh Jackson really put him to a tough spot by starting him so early in the season. And these types of decisions are exactly why Jackson has lost 20 of the last 21 games as the head coach of this quote-unquote professional football team. All joking aside, or maybe not, on Wednesday, Deshaun Kaiser on Twitter liked someone else's tweet saying, the Browns are and always have been the worst organization in the league. (laughs) Well, now let's go across the field to the other quarterback named Deshaun, who has been doing nothing but putting on a clinic for the Texans. Already having nine touchdowns in his last two games and a quarterback rating of over 100. Houston will, however, be without the services of J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless, a big blow to that defense. I think Kevin Hogan will be a step up for the Browns, and I think that they keep this one closer than double digits. And I'm going to go the other way on this. Houston, well, they're pretty much used to playing without J.J. Watt, and that's just standard operating procedure. And Deshaun Watson, that kid is for real. This offense has been putting up a lot of points, and I really don't think Cleveland has the ability to keep up with them. Houston covers at home. I'm going to disagree with you on one point, which will come up later in the episode, but look who their starting center is going to be. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Sure, we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice idiot. Uh Uh-huh, fuck you. Bye-bye. All right, now we go to Washington at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Your San Francisco 49ers, Andy. We're looking at Washington being favored by a whopping 11 points with a 46 and a half over-under. That's actually a pretty small over-under, too, for such a large point spread. Well, it doesn't speak much to what they think of San Francisco's offense. (laughs) Um, 
Well, Kyle Shanahan, he's back in the nation's capital to face his old team, and he is doing so with Pierre Garçon, the wide receiver of the 49ers, who also came from Washington. This is, as you mentioned, a big spread, especially for a coach that knows the other team pretty well. The 49ers, by the way, are the first team in 23 years to lose four consecutive games by three or fewer points. The team before that, the Houston Oilers, who after that fourth consecutive loss, brought in a guy named Jeff Fitcher to coach the team. What I don't like about this spot is that it's Frisco's third straight road game. The last two went to the end of overtime. It's an East Coast time zone, and Washington is coming off a bye. To be clear, I am not picking the 49ers, but I am taking their points. Official pick San Francisco. Yeah, ridiculous spread. I agree. The Niners keep it tight. You have a toy body. Yes. I see that from your toy pants. Yes, you are toyed like a tiger. And really, will Kirk Cousins want to run up the score and embarrass the team that he'll be playing for next year? All right, Atlanta at home against Miami, and they're favored by a whopping 13 points at home with a 46 even over under. The, Fa- the Falcons uh, coming off their bye week at 3-1, and one, a very pedestrian 3-1, and one, though. They certainly didn't look as sharp as they did last year. Miami somehow managed to eke out a win against the Marriott-less Titans, and in doing so with less than 100 passing yards from who? Smoking Jay Cutler, baby. With all their problems both on and off the field, I'm surprised Adam Gase had time to address anthem protocols this week, but he did. Stand for the anthem or stay in the tunnel? I'd actually uh, add an amendment to that. If you throw a pick six, you can go stay in the tunnel for the rest of the game. And let's refer to that as the Cutler Clause. All right, we've got the Packers of Green Bay going into their division rivals stadium and Minnesota. Minnesota are three-point home dogs. Hey, Matty, has the Pope offered sainthood yet to Aaron Rodgers? He should. Lord, well, Lord knows he's performed the requisite number of miracles. Now, Packers fans see these superhuman feats as quite normal and expected behavior from a quarterback. But they've had a lot of high drama primetime games, and I kind of see a little bit of regression here for them. Getting Minnesota at home as three-point dogs is a gift. The only thing keeping me from kicking this gift horse in the mouth is a return of Sam Bradford. Let's assume that Case Keenum is in and the running game stays explosive. I really like the Vikings here. Minnesota didn't look that shit hot last week against a Bears team with a no-name defense and a rookie QB. Now, on the other sideline this week, Aaron Rodgers is freaking killing it. I can't see the Vikings holding the Packer offense down as much as I hate to say it because the Packers make me want to puke, quite frankly. Uh, But they will cover this week. Wow, bold. All right, the Jets, they are nine-point underdogs at home against the struggling New England Patriots. Again, it's been a long time since I've said the struggling New England Patriots. Two AFC East teams with a 3-2 and two record. The biggest difference is that prior to this regular season was talk about one of these teams being undefeated and the other possibly going winless. The Jets are actually running a three-game winning streak, albeit against the Dolphins, Jags, and Browns. The Pats, while playing well offensively, 
Uh, their defense has been on pace to be statistically the worst ever in NFL history. And just going back in the last eight games, the Jets are 6-1-1 one one against the spread when playing New England. I just I think this is too many points for a home dog uh, against a team that could easily be below 500. Tom's Tom Brady's shoulder might be suspect. Uh, the hoodie will never tell us that. But I am taking the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets at home. And I concur. It's up to you, New York, New York. Kansas City at home as four-and-a-half-point favorites against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And last week against the Jags, Big Ben looked like Ben Kingsley could have done a better job. He had five picks and said this about his own performance. I'm not playing well enough. Why is that? Don't think so, but maybe I am. Maybe I don't have it anymore. What makes you think? Ben, do you see it? I'm not playing well enough. They are a very tough team to read. They pound the Ravens in Baltimore and then promptly lose to the Jags at home. One thing is for sure, though, their inconsistency has a little bit to do with locker room distractions, Roethlisberger's aging arm, and Mike Tomlin's inability to effectively lead the team. And and let me qualify your point about Tomlin. Last week, they played Jacksonville, who had the uh, best pass defense in the entire league and the worst rush defense in the entire league. So what do the Steelers do? The running backs combined had less than 20 carries, and Roethlisberger had 55 pass attempts. Like, it just didn't make any sense. Now, the Chiefs had had an impressive road win against the Texans, putting up 42 points. And by the way, Alex Smith looked really good. He had three touchdowns and 324 passing yards. And the game was not even as close as the score dictated. Houston did put up some meaningless points late in the game. Andy Reid's Chiefs are 5-0 and straight up this year, and more importantly to us, 5-0 and against the spread. Now, if you ask 10 NFL fans who the best team is right now, I'm guessing that most of them would probably say the Chiefs. The reality is, though, from a talent standpoint, the Steelers are a much superior team. The Chiefs' rush defense is not very good. Ben is a drama queen that makes everything seem worse than it really is. I think that this is a great spot for the Steelers to bounce back. Instead of names like Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell, be thinking about names like Bob Greasy, Mercury Morris, and Larry Zonka, because they will be the ones celebrating the most after this game. There will be some corks popped in Miami this weekend, baby. I am taking the points and Pittsburgh. I got to disagree with you there, bud, because the Steelers bouncing back this week, they have not been on at all. And the Chiefs, like Alex Smith, is on fire. I got to tell you, with their numbers against the spread and the fact that it's at Arrowhead Stadium, Arrowhead Stadium is one of the greatest home field advantages in sports. That's worth three points on its own. Then you take maybe another point and a half on there because it's four and a half. I'll take KC at home with the points. Yeah, it's not a straightforward one, but, you know, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. First loss of the season. Please hang up and try again. The Sunday Nighter, New York Giants at Denver Broncos in Mile High. I know they don't call it that anymore, but let's face it, it's Mile High. It's uh, minus 11 and a half. That's a pretty darn big spread with a 40.5 over under. Jesus, Maddie. 
and Felipe. Alou? Wasn't that Jesus, Maddie, and Felipe Alou? That's what I said. Jesus, Maddie, and Felipe. <laughs> Anyways, you know that I hate double-digit spreads against any team in the NFL. But this isn't any team, and they don't belong in the NFL. I'm not sure if you remember, but the Broncos won the Super Bowl about 20 months ago. Now the Giants are without Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Marshall, Dwayne Harris on the outside, and possibly Sterling Shepard may not even play this week. Eli Manning looks like Peyton Manning did when the Broncos won the Super Bowl. I'm trying to talk myself into how the G-men are going to keep this close. But I don't think they can win a football game against Trinidad and Tobago right now. So we got a kid from Northwestern going up against a not-so-young kid from Ole Miss. With the altitude a mile high, the bright spotlights of primetime, and a very impressive defense, I'm actually taking a 12-point favorite to cover. This one gets ugly quickly, picking the Broncos. Yeah, I agree. The New York football giants couldn't beat the San Francisco baseball giants in a game of football right now. Pick the Broncos. All right, moving on to Monday night. We have Indianapolis playing at Tennessee. Right now, there is no line on the board. Um, that has to do with the play of Marcus Mariota, or perhaps the non-play of Marcus Mariota. Um, it was at minus one and a half for Tennessee the last I saw. But nonetheless, if you're Mike Malarkey, the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, what do you say to your team in the locker room after losing to the Miami Dolphins? Jesus, when did Bobby Knight get the Titans coaching gig? They may have their Heisman Trophy winning quarterback back in the lineup for this one, but I don't know. Indy was lucky to beat the Niners in overtime as they were leading San Fran by two touchdowns with about six minutes left in the game and then let that lead slip away. Now, I realize that Mike Pence was not there at the time to support them, but this is another game where I will fade the winner of the previous week's game and take the hungrier team coming home after a loss. I'm going with the Titans. And just as an update to Peyton Manning Day last week, uh, Peyton Manning's penis did not see daylight. He kept it in his pants. So uh, winter will be a couple weeks longer this year. Now we dial up the president of the United States, one Donald Trump, as it's time to get to POTUS Picks. Mr. President, thanks for coming by the Cosa Nostra studios today. Now, Cam Newton has received a lot of negative attention last week after he made fun of a female reporter who asked him a question about routes. You are very progressive as it relates to women's issues. What do you think of a reporter like her asking a question like that? A nasty woman. A uh, quick follow-up question here. How would you have handled things differently? Grab him by the pussy. <laughs> I could do anything. Nice. The Tennessee Titans-Miami Dolphins game produced a collective 366 in total combined yards. Would you blame Matt Castle throwing for 141 yards or Jay Cutler for his 92-yard effort through the air for such a low-scoring game? 
I think there's blame on both sides. You look at you look at both sides. I think there's blame on both sides. Mr. President, we heard that after the Dallas Cowboys game against the Packers, you made a pageant-style appearance in their locker room. What exactly happened? I mean, one example, they had these beautiful soft towels, very good towels. And I came in, and there was a crowd of a lot of people, and they were screaming, and they were loving everything. And we were, I was having fun. They were having fun. They said, throw them to me, throw them to me, Mr. President. Hopefully Zeke and Dak cut one of those towels. <laughs> Now it's time for our inside look at fantasy football. Unfortunately, the commission isn't available to join us this week. He's on vacation. So Andy will provide his biggest fantasy suggestion of the week. What's up, Andy? Ready, ready? Ready. Do not activate Ezekiel Elliott. Great advice, Andy. Thanks for that, bud. No problem, man. I stayed up late studying stat sheets, matchup probabilities, and even some coaching schemes. But if you can add Alfred Morris and Darren McFadden into your lineups, they're looking good right now. And now it's time for that show where our prognosticator, Andy Attridge, reaches into his bag of potpourri awesomeness and gives you a couple picks to look for this weekend. Matt, you heard that the Browns are starting a new quarterback. The Vikings... Uh, are unsure who's going to be their pivot based on Bradford's status. And you saw your guy, Mitch Trubisky, play for the first time last Monday night. He's awesome. Do you know at what position a change in lineup can affect the spread more than quarterback? It's the guy who touches the ball in every play except for the kickoff. I am, of course, referring to the center. An injury to the center can move a betting line even more than a different quarterback. And it makes sense if you think about it. Because you've got an increased probability of a fumble, a false start, or even a missed block as a lot of centers dictate their team's passing protections. In order to gain an edge with this information, it has to be a center who had been playing in the previous game, or these anomalies eventually even out. In addition, the strategy is only effective if the betting line has not moved or moved very little as a result. This week, for example, had Ryan Khalil, the center for the Carolina Panthers, who appeared on the injury report was something related to a neck, and he did not play this past Thursday against Philly. Tyler Larson, their second-string center, had only started nine games ever in the NFL. Now, I'm not suggesting for a second that he was the reason why they lost, but it seems like there were Eagle defenders in the Panthers' backfield the entire game. That pressure was responsible for, I'm guessing, at least two of Cam's three picks. Well, this point is something that you would typically find in a rearview mirror as opposed to a crystal ball. There are a couple more games on the docket this week where this situation will apply. Another instance of this is Kyle Fuller, the center for the Texans, who right now is listed as questionable against the Browns. Nick Martin, his replacement, has only started five games in the NFL. Nick Easton of the Vikings and Weston Richburg of the Giants are also listed as questionable for Sunday. Keep an eye to see how this plays out. All my weekly picks are on our Facebook page. To be clear, we don't do locks and we don't make guarantees, but we do pick all the games. Thursday's accepted for nonviolent protest reasons. We simply promise to do our homework and provide analysis on the best information available. He's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Get those nerds! 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 Anyway, I had good success with this strategy in the past, and I hope that it works for our listeners as well. 
Well, thank you very kindly to all our fans for listening to episode six of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook page for additional content and picks from all week six games across the NFL. Thanks again to President Trump for his insights. From the Cosa Nostra Studios, for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. Everyone.